Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. COVID-19 has turned the world upside down. But is there any hope for us in these dark times? As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Thank God for the opportunity to be together again. It's always a privilege to be with you to share the word of God. Let me first say that I did not intend to come and intimidate you with my collar. (laughs) I had had just run from one service to this one. So um, forgive me, don't look at the collar. You look good in your collar, we like it. Nana, you know, I've told you, you have to start wearing one. So. <laughs> um, let, let me first say that um, my presentation may be, I, I mean, maybe a bit um, out of order from what you might be used to. Um, because I personally felt that today is Pentecost. And so... I have tried to look at the texts that have been given in the light of Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and um, I felt that I just need to look at this text in in the light. So first, I'm going to have a brief um, overview of the text that is before us. And then I will look at, I will just mention 10 things that, or if you like, 10 characteristics of Pentecost um, that the church should take advantage of today. And out of that, um, looking at the text we have in front of us, there are four of them that we can relate to the text that we have in front of us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So yes, we are dealing with Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 through to chapter 4, um, verse 16. Interestingly, um, they are in two different chapters, but we put them together. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21, um, we have the second of two prayers. Did, Did you want us to read the scripture before? Oh, feel free. All right, so that's so just if somebody can put there, I was trying to use both my phone and my computer to sign in so that I can use the computer to send text, but it's giving feedback. So I have signed off from the computer. Yeah, so if somebody can put the text there for us, that would be, that would be useful. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21, we have the second of two prayers that Paul prays in Ephesians, in, in the book of, I mean, his letter to the church in Ephesus. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. Now, let me talk briefly about the first prayer because then that helps us to understand what we are doing in the second prayer. The, in the first prayer, Paul focuses on how the church in Ephesus, being endowed with wisdom and revelation and enlightenment and knowledge, can understand 
what God through Christ has done for them. It is about prayer for knowledge, prayer for revelation, prayer for wisdom. But the knowledge is for them to be able to know the power of God at work in them. So whether wisdom, revelation, enlightenment, knowledge, whatever word you want to use, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23, Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus to know the power of God at work in them. In the second prayer which we have before us, Paul is focusing on the Ephesus, the church in Ephesus being enabled or empowered by the power of God through the Spirit of God. So the first one is to know the power of God at work in them. The second one, if you like, is to experience the power of God at work in them. Hallelujah. Amen. And so it is worth for us to note that in most of Paul's letters, there are two sections. If you have read Paul's letters very well, most of them there are two sections. And a typical one is Romans, and another one is Ephesians. There is a section of doctrine where Paul, especially in Romans, will rely heavily on the Old Testament and bring history and stories about God's dealing with the people of the Old Testament and link it to righteousness and the death of Christ and the resurrection of, and all that. In Ephesians, he does more of that using the life of Christ. But at the end of the day, he's still teaching doctrine. So there is a doctrine section, and then there is the practical living section. And most of the time, the practical living section is introduced by the word, therefore. Mm. It's introduced by the word, therefore. So, and most, I mean, the word, therefore, is used by King James. Other versions look use different versions. So let us see. In, in Romans chapter 12, Paul will say that, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your, bo your bodies as living sacrifice. He has talked about doctrine. He has talked about so many things doctrinal, some of them very abstract. And then now he comes to say, therefore, now that you understand righteousness, now that you understand faithfulness, now that you understand the death of Christ, now that you understand the resurrection of Christ, therefore, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Live like people who follow Christ. So here in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul ends the doctrine session when he started from, and then in chapter 4, he's starting the practical living out of the doctrine. So in Ephesians chapter um, 1 to 3, he is talking about doctrine. But when he comes to chapter 4, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you all walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. In other words, live according to the call that God has put on your life. So in Ephesians chapter 4, again, I'm coming back to it, 1 to 16, which we have before us, 
Paul is reasoning out with the church in Ephesus. And of course, with us. He's reasoning out with us. He's reasoning out our responsibility, our duty of living out the Christian faith taught us in the doctrine session of chapter 1 to 3. Indeed, Paul is saying that our responsibility as Christians, after learning about God, after learning about Christ, after learning about the Holy Spirit, our responsibility is to live the life worthy of our calling. And in Ephesians 4, 1 to 16 again then, the duty for you and I is to live in unity, is to live in this unity which is grounded in the unity of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the unity of the body of Christ, which though has many parts, Paul says, function together to nourish the whole body. But not, that's not the only thing that he puts out to us as responsibilities. He also invites us to share in the different gifts that God has given to his church. Hallelujah. Amen. And so if we get that overview, that Paul in chapter 1 to 3 is teaching doctrine, and in chapter 4 down was to 6, he's teaching practical living of the doctrine that we have learned. Then I can then quickly shift to my focus today, where I'm saying that we are looking at how to live this practical Christian life in the light of the characteristics of Pentecost. There are 10 things that I have identified about Pentecost from my reading of Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. The first one is that Pentecost is about power. The second is that Pentecost is about witness. The third is that Pentecost is about utterance, speaking in a language that, though mysterious, makes sense to the people of God. Again, Pentecost is about hearing. Not, not just hearing anything, but hearing in your own language. Pentecost called on all of us teaching and preaching to be able to come down to the people at their level so that they hear us in their own language. My interpretation of hearing us in their own language here is not about, I mean, specific language, but it's about the way we bring understanding of the word of God to the people of God, no matter their level no matter their level. The fifth one is that Pentecost is about transformation. Number six, Pentecost is about fulfillment of the prophecy of the giving of gifts to the people of God. Seven, Pentecost is democratization of the spirits. Eight, Pentecost is about salvation and all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pentecost is about salvation. Pentecost is about revival. When we have demonstrated the spirit and the power of God to the people that we live with, they will definitely, as they did to Peter, ask us, what shall we do? And that will begin the revival. And finally, Pentecost is a multi-generational gift to the church. It's not only for us living today, but it's for us and our children to come. But as I said, in the light of Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 4, 16, I will focus on Pentecost as power, 
Pentecost is about witness. Pentecost is about transformation. And Pentecost is about gifts. Pentecost is about gifts. I'm just checking um, the time that I have left. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's take it one by one. Number one, Pentecost is about power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we are told you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the disciples did receive power, indeed, when the Holy Spirit came upon them. But what was the power for? The power was for them to be and to do. When the power has come, you will be my witnesses. You will be my people and you will be doing the work of witness. I won't delve much into the witness because I'll come back to it. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 20, listen to what Paul says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, you may be he may strengthen you with power. Now, take note of the word strengthen. I'm, I'm reading from NIV. He may strengthen you with power. So we have strengthened, we have power through his spirit. So the Holy Spirit is coming in here. He's the one who strengthens and empowers in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Another word, power has come again together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness. And I link this also to power and to the Holy Spirit. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power, number three, the third time we are hearing the word power here, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And let the saints of God say amen. 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 Three times we hear the word power. Once we hear the word strengthen, and we see the function of the Spirit right here. But as I said, mm -hmm. this power that the Holy Spirit brings to us in the understanding of Paul is to be the people of God to the people around us. The power of God has been given to the church in Ephesus. The power of God has been given to us through the Spirit, so that we will have the dwelling of Christ within us through faith. And that will enable us to be the Lord's holy people out there. My dear Christian friends, a powerless church, a powerless Christian is not able to demonstrate a living of Christ to the world. A powerless church, a powerless Christian is not able to live a Christ-like life because there are so many things that fight against us. 
the flesh itself fights against us. The things around us fight against us. And until the power of God finds us, we are weaklings. We are powerless. We are strengthless. But the good news is that this power doesn't come to Christian, Christians anyhow. Or let me say it this way. Everybody who calls himself or herself a Christian has this power. Because the truth is that the moment you, you invite the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and he brings power. So the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't come once a year on the day of Pentecost. He's already come. He's already in us. And so we have no excuse not to live as people who are empowered and endued with the strength of the Holy Spirit. It, he is with us. The power is with us. The strength is with us. It is up to us to go out there in our life, in our way of doing things, to be the power, the, the demonstration of the power of God to the world. And that's exactly what Paul was trying to pray for the people in Ephesus, that this power of God will be upon you to demonstrate to the world that you are the people of God. And it's my prayer that you and I would sense and experience this power of God upon our life, that we can be the people of God to the world. Hallelujah. Number two, Holy Spirit, the Pentecost is about witness. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, again, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the world. So the Holy Spirit empowers the church to be a witness. The church as a body and the church as individuals, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be Christ's witnesses. What does Paul say in chapter 4, uh, verse 1 to 6? As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the blood and bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one, to be one hope. Just as you were called to one hope, sorry, when you were called. And one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Hallelujah. Amen. So for Paul, the unity of the church serves as a witness to the world about Christ. The truth is sometimes we Christians um, struggle with these two words, witness and evangelize. So if we don't distinguish between these two words very well, we have a problem. I am sure those of us who have had encounters with courts or dispute resolutions will know that when a case is being heard, witnesses are called. And the duty of the witnesses are just to say what they heard or what they saw. And then they leave the judge to make his judgment. It is not the duty of the witness to pronounce the judgment. So 
as Christians, we are called to be witnesses of Christ. Every Christian can be a witness. We all have stories of our encounter with Christ. We all know something that God has done for us. We all have a story. And that's, that's it's interesting that Nana, you, you play, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. The Spirit of God was working when you played that, that song. Because that is all that there is about witnessing. We as Christians going out there and using our words and our life to tell the world, this is my story, this is my song. And we leave them, they are the judges. We leave them to judge whether they will follow Christ or not based on what we do and what we say. And that is why Paul is saying that he is inviting the church in Ephesus to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to be bearing, to be loving. And all, all these things are characteristics that help us to be true witnesses of Christ to the world. It is not, I mean, not every Christian is an evangelist, but every Christian is a witness. That's what I'm trying to say. Evangelists seek to go beyond just telling, but to help people to convert. You just go and tell your story. And even if you don't convert, the spirit of God will do the conversion. As Christians on the day of Pentecost, Paul is here reminding us that we are witnesses of Christ. We witness with our life and we witness with our words. We tell our story and we become Christ's witness. Let me go through the last two quickly. <clears throat> I know my time is gone. Um, number three is fulfillment of prophecy of the gift. In Acts chapter 2, verse 16 to 21, Peter, when he spoke, told the crowd that what is happening is a fulfillment of the prophecy God gave through Joel. And that prophecy was to give gifts to all generations, to all people of all classes, your children, your youth, your, your men and women, your old men and old women will have something to do. Prophesy, um, speak in new tongues and all those kind of things. What does Paul tell us here? Paul tells us that Christ has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, on this day of Pentecost, as we read Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 4, I am just putting this simple question to you. Have you identified which promise of the Holy Spirit's gifts has been fulfilled in your life? And Paul says that these gifts are given so that the church of God, the body of Christ, will be equipped so if you are not identifying and using your gift in the church of God, you are denying the church of equipment. May the spirit of God touch your heart so that you would allow him to show you your gift. Whether you are an apostle, whether you are a preacher, you are evangelist, whatever it is, the church needs you to equip itself. Finally, Pentecost is about transformation. I am always surprised about Peter how he quickly turns from somebody who runs away from a little girl to somebody who speaks to a crowd. And the denominator, the simple denominator here, is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because of the Holy Spirit, Paul has been transformed. What that, what, sorry, Peter, because of the Holy Spirit, Peter has been transformed from somebody who runs away from a little girl to somebody who actually speaks to crowd. What does Paul say in Ephesians chapter 4? 
verse 14 going, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheme. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head of the church, which is Christ. Hallelujah. So Pentecost transformed Peter and the disciples. The Spirit of God comes to transform us so that we are no more infants. We are no more babies um, running after miracles and signs and wonders, going everywhere and allowing ourselves to be deceived. But rather, we grow, we grow in maturity. And you know the, the metaphor of transformation, the, big, the easiest metaphor of transformation we can have is the transformation of the butterfly egg to a butterfly. From the egg, we have a potential, isn't it? A potential of life. When the egg hatches into a larvae, we have a destructive organism. You know what the larvae does to plants? They will destroy every plant around, eating the leaves and everything. And sometimes when we continue to remain as babies in the larvae stage, we become destructive both to the church and to ourselves. Then the pupa, the pupa becomes dormant. And not just dormant, but unattractive. Again, it's a stage of growth, but we, sh we shouldn't remain there. There are some people in the Church of Christ who are pupas. They are always there doing nothing, staying there and waiting to be fed, waiting for somebody else to do the work. I pray that in Accra Community Church, that doesn't happen. That every single person will receive that power and strength to move away from the egg stage, away from the larvae stage, and away from the pupa stage, and become a full butterfly. Matured, Amen. beautiful, attractive, and even productive. Because when the butterfly becomes a full butterfly, what does it do? It becomes an agent of pollination. And that brings growth to the church of Christ. It is my prayer that on this Pentecost day, as we read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through to 4, verse 16, we will know that we have been given power by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of Christ, to use our gifts in edifying the church of Christ, and to grow, to transform from babies to mature Christians who serve the church of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kofi. Nice yes, that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the beautiful sermon. It's question time. So, um, if anybody is like me, prefer to write, it's fine. I'll read from uh, the chat space. So, please uh, go on with your questions. Any questions? Hello, good evening. Good yeah. evening. Good evening. Um, okay. But I'm in country. Why? Right? Country. 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 Yeah. Country. Yeah. Country. 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 Country.
Oh, okay. So she's asking, um, how would you know that the, the power of the of the Holy Spirit has come upon you? Am I right? Yes. Well, um, there are different ways of knowing it. For some, it is very obvious that when the moment you become a Christian, the moment you receive Christ into your life, there is some kind of energy, there's some kind of excitement, there is some kind of enthusiasm, and all of a sudden you want to do everything that you've never done. There are some, it is gradual. It only happens um, by you yourself being doing self-introspection, asking yourself, what am I good at? And how can that work for um, the church of God? The fact that you are not speaking in tongues or you are not prophesying or you are not laying your hands on people to be healed doesn't mean that the power of God is not upon you. It is a given. If you have invited Jesus Christ into your life, you already have the power. You just have to allow the power of God to work within you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church on Zoom, visit our website www.accrachurch.org God bless you.